welcome to E by Gore, the distinctively Yorkshire horror movie review podcast. I am Tris, and as always, I am joined by my esteemed partner in podcasting crime. Damo, how are you doing? How is the Chucky loving going? I'm doing fine, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us here today. Chucky show. It's fucking blowing my mind at the moment. I'm such a big <laughs> fan of the Child's Play franchise, which I hope we get to do soon. I hope that comes up on the randomizer the next time we do it. I'm such a big fan, and the series is just taking all the weirdness, all the slashery stuff, all the Brad Dourif one can stomach, and just <laughs> packed it all into this brand new, fresh take on it, and I absolutely love it. If you guys are interested in Chucky, have a look on our YouTube channel, because I'm doing these solo reviews, and I'm enjoying not having this dickhead around. To shit hey, it's it's, it's great, face. they don't have to look at this fucking face. It's not that, I just don't want you shitting all over my favourite stuff. <laughs> let's get your take on Chucky. I, I did sort of like see Charles play when I was when I was younger uh, and stuff like that. And Ooh. let's be honest, creepy little doll. What what's not to love? I see I don't get so much creeped out by him. I just think he's really funny. And he's just a great slasher, full of what great one liners and everything like that. I know he doesn't necessarily uh, conform with your realism rule in horror, but um <laughs> I'm all about killer dolls running wild. Yeah, it's just I think I, I watched it when I was when I was obviously a lot younger than what I am now. I mean, I'm old as fuck, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I I never kind of really got into the the whole franchise thing of Chucky, and it's something I'm kind of hoping we can revisit. So I too hope it actually comes out on the randomizer because it's massive, isn't it? You know, it's got such a cult following and stuff like that. So I'm quite looking forward to uh, to looking uh, at that one. But yeah, uh, for me, I never kind of got into the franchise thing, but. I've got to appreciate a creepy doll. It's weird. It is weird. It's weird. And I know it's not real and stuff like that, but it's it's weird. That's good. It is weird. Good. I'm glad you I'm glad you concede that. Because for yeah, all it's, it's not all it's not all about, you know, realism. It's it's much about believability. And there is nothing more scary than girls have dolls, you've got teddy bears, you've got all that kind of shit. That shit coming alive, it's gonna scare anybody. Yeah, see, I think Toy Story is really a horror movie in disguise. <laughs> Yep, Buzz Lightyear, Jesus Christ, scary as hell. And Bo Peep, God, she's badass. It's not just that. It's like when I was younger, like I was a kid when Toy Story came out. All the other kids around me and all the other kids at school were like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be awesome if his toys came alive? And I looked at my toy collection and I had like soldiers with guns and I had little Jason Voorheeses. And so I was like, fuck no, I don't want them to come <laughs> yeah, alive. Yeah, you do not want those. You do not want them coming alive. There is a great part in Toy Story, though, isn't that that whole creepy thing with like the little spider thing and the doll's head on? They, they go down a whole creep fest for part of it, which is it's quite creepy. Yeah, I think that's inspired by it's very Puppet Master. I know you've not seen yeah, it, but it's yeah. very Puppet Master. But unfortunately, Tris, this is not the Chucky podcast. You are not it's one not. of our solo episodes, so you shall shut your fucking mouth. We're going to talk some Halloween today. <laughs> Again, do we have to? Halloween hates you well. Yeah, yeah, I know, but do we have to? Halloween water. Yes. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, my friend, what is your history with Halloween H2O? What is my history? I'm going to give the same answer as I always do. I don't really have much, but after the last episode and you're telling me all about H2O and, you know, the whole kind of return of Jamie Lee Curtis, I thought, well, for once, I'll actually do a little bit of research before I actually watch this. I kind of wish I'd not. Why? That, that's where I'm... Well, elaborate. It, it was the whole thing around, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis sort of wanting to come back and do an anniversary edition. Yeah. It, it's kind of 
reinventing a story that was way in the past in this this franchise. And as much as I was sort of like looking forward to to watching it because people have told me that's going to be a good one, you'll enjoy that one. After actually doing some research on it, I'm not so sure if I'm looking at it before I watched it that I was kind of that into it. Well, mm. coming on the back of the Cult of Thorn trilogy, I think you could be forgiven <laughs> for not being so excited for the next instalment. Yeah. So, no history with it on your side. For me, what this, about you? Is, this is one that I saw pretty young. I'd seen the original, and then I think in my teenage years, my sister had seen this one at a sleepover or some shit. And she said, oh, I'd seen Halloween H2O. I was like, what? Halloween Water? Same as what you thought last week, but I was only a kid, so I don't know. It's a shit kid. name, let's be honest. It's a shit name. Is it? Everyone remembers Halloween H2O, though. It's like one of the most memorable <laughs> yeah, titles but, in you the know, franchise. You know, 20 years later, let's go with H2O. Why? Halloween 20? Yeah, what but else H2O. could it possibly mean? Water. Yeah, I know, I know. So I saw this as a teen. This was my favourite for many years. I preferred this to the original when I was a teenager, probably because it was a bit more modern. I think um, I, can, I can understand that, yeah. It's definitely definitely more modern. It's more sort of the era from when you were growing up. Obviously, I was still old at that point. Um, but yeah, it, it is it's certainly more with the times. Years, mate. <laughs> it's definitely more with the times. I'll ignore that comment. You've got to get there, yeah. You see, I say, you say it's more with the times, but you look back on it now, it's dated as fuck. Oh, this yeah. Movie. This, is like an, this is like a little time capsule for the late 90s. <laughs> it really is. So let's get into it. So, guys, before we get into this, give us a like, give us a subscribe. See that little bell down there? Give it a little tickle. And then we will let you know every time we release a new video, whether that be Chucky stuff or this or whatever Tris is doing. Still doing the screen? If I can actually finally manage to actually drag my ass into it, I've tried. It's, it's not Amazing coming easy, I'm not going to lie. Fucker. <laughs> there will be some, there will be some. But just going back to that tickling that little bell, yeah. In the edit, that's going to look brilliant. Just where your hands were and the tickle in the bell, you know, perfect. Brilliant. Diggle, Couldn't diggle, have planned diggle. it better myself. Diggle, diggle, diggle. Um, so I guess we should we should do the disclaimer, really, shouldn't we, before we actually start, as we always do that. Oh, yeah, you, we do, do, you do it this time. I'm sick of doing yeah, it. Yeah, we do do spoilers on this show. And if you haven't seen it and you're not wanting to find out what the hell happens in the end, what carnage is about to come, just go and give it a watch. Pause it right here. Go and give it a watch. Not a lot, actually. All right, so... Disclaimer done. Disclaimer done. Spoilers out of the way. Let's talk some Halloween H2O. So this was released in 1998. I'm going to stop pretending that I don't look at my notes next to me all the time. <laughs> because we can't all remember shit. So I've got my iPad. He's got my notes on. I'm so, old. Yeah. I've got amnesia. Selectively. Selective amnesia. <laughs> selective dementia, were you, mate? <laughs> Bit of both. Bit of both. So, yeah, released in 1998, which was three years after the abortion that was Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, which fucking sucked, <laughs> as we both agreed on last it's, week. It sucked massive balls, man. It was awful. No, and this one was directed by Steve Miner. Now, Steve Miner, I don't think the name will mean much to you, Tris, but for those in the know, for those initiated in horror, you will know that this is the biggest name horror director since John Carpenter. Friday Here's the 13th, a- right? Part two and three. Oh, bloody hell. He's, he's checked Wiki. He's been on Wiki. <laughs> Friday th- but also, yeah, Friday 13th, part two and three. Also, Lake Placid. Love me some fucking giant killer crocodiles. Of, yeah, who doesn't? 
Warlock. I doubt you've seen Warlock. No. <laughs> it's not great. Julian Sands in Warlock. He also did House, which is a great fucking, really fucking great, great series. I'm actually sort of absorbed in that at the moment. Really? Are we talking about the same house? Absolutely not. No, we're not, are we? No, we're talking <laughs> about House One. Sometime in the 80s. It's a really up and down series, actually, but the first one's really good. He directed that. He also did, did the remake of Day of the Dead, which is not his greatest achievement in horror. He's not on, so he's not on John Carpenter's level, not by a long shot, but he's definitely a very competent director, as seen in this movie. I don't know about you, Tristan, but it's a very pretty movie, this. Do you, do you think it's shot well? It looks nice compared to the past three. Oh, definitely. Compared all of the ones, and obviously we've moved on a lot in times. So we're 20 years on, aren't we, uh, in terms of the storyline, but things have moved on a lot. You, you can tell just by literally just watching it, you can tell the developments in technology and everything else. You're right, it is a very pretty movie. The angles are good. Uh, you know, there's some very good shots in there, but man, it's still tame. Well, we're going to talk about that because for once we actually disagree. I mean, we disagree on almost everything exclusively, but we've agreed far too much on the Halloween <laughs> franchise. We have. You're right. I think that's a damnation of the Halloween franchise itself, that it's so middle of the road that we who disagree on everything still find common ground in most of the movies. So I'm hoping no, I think you're right there. I'm hoping <laughs> we get some disagreement. So this we're movie... going to war. War, motherfucker. <laughs> It has begun. This is Sheffield. Speaking of which, this is this, this is like comedy gold. This, this pretend it's a comedy podcast. That is a brew in that mug drinking through a straw. Mate, no, no, that is not how you drink Yorkshire tea. That is wrong. How else is on a skeleton? So, how else is a skeleton to drink a cup of tea? That, that is just wrong on so many levels. Very that is cool. that we'll, we'll pretend we didn't see that. Well, I'm being at Yorkshire. As, amuse, as amusing as it out. is, that's how you drink Thai food. That's how you drink PG tips, Tetley, not Yorkshire tea, man. Grow a set. Fuck off. That's what I said to that. Back to Halloween. So this movie's big for bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis, a.k.a. Laurie Strode, and she literally saved the franchise as far as I'm aware. After the, the cult of Thorn, the curse of Michael Myers and all the bullshit with the Thorn trilogy... Halloween was really on its arse. Like, nobody yeah. really wanted to touch it. It was going to go direct to video through Dimension, which had a massive habit of taking horror movie franchises and sticking them up their arse, really. They did the same with Hellraiser. <laughs> now, I'm a huge Hellraiser fan, but even I can't defend some of those, uh, those shitty direct to video ones. So, the idea, they had a, an idea that there was going to be Michael Myers stalking a girl's school and there was going to be a copycat killer. Basically, another police procedural, which is what every fucking direct-to-video horror was at that time. And then Jamie Lee Curtis agreed to come back, wanted to do a 20th anniversary. And it was a bit of a chance, it's a bit of a chance, wasn't it? And a bit of a, you know, she mentioned it in an interview, didn't she, that she, she would love to actually do, you know, a, a 20th anniversary thing. And it, it sort of got born from there. It was from a bit of an idea, uh, which, you know, came out of an interview and literally out of nothing, there we, we've got, you know, H2O. I think it's so cool that she came back to the franchise because she started off as a screen queen. Obviously, she did Halloween, and then she did uh, Prom Night, and then she did Terror Train, and she's another one she did as well. So she started off doing horror, and then she made it all the way to the top, you know, doing Trading Places and fucking Fish Called Wonder and all the other big movies she went on. So she became a bona fide Hollywood star. So to come yeah, back this... and... 
definitely, yeah. I mean, this was supposed to be like a thank you to the fans, wasn't it, for, you know, sort of supporting her in those early years and giving her that break you know, she got that took her to where she was. Yeah, somebody who didn't want to come back and just for the fans was John Carpenter, though, because they wanted him to direct it. But he was like, guys, if you want me back on this, I want $10 million. And so Dimension <laughs> were like, nah. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. Yeah, we'll get Steve Miner. We'll be for half the price or whatever. So, uh, no, we weren't having none of that. So, something interesting about this movie is that Kevin Williamson was heavily in the writing of it. For those of you who don't know Kevin Williamson, he was a big, he was one of the writers on Scream. He did a lot of the stuff in Scream. And I think he did stuff in Dawson's Creek, which was a big show in the, in the 90s, but I never watched. Um, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but you can, t- you can tell because this movie has got Scream fingerprints all over it you're a fan of scream aren't you what did you did you get that vibe from it i, I wouldn't say i'm a i'm a fan of scream I'm a, i like scream because it's so fucking stupid and it's so ridiculous so it for me it's watchable because i can literally sit there and go never happen that wouldn't happen that's fucking stupid but yeah there isn't there are elements of that that you can see in this and i'm sure we'll come on to that a little bit later I'm, i've got lots of notes on that yeah for me this leans a little bit too heavy on screen even the score was unused music from Scream. They did obviously they, they had the main Halloween theme, but a lot of the music was just unused stuff that they'd had from from, a, from another Scream movie. So yeah, and e- even at a point in this movie, Scream Two is actually playing on the TV behind them. Oh, is it? So, what, yeah, me. one of the, one of the Easter eggs in the in this movie. I have to be honest, I missed that until I actually looked it up afterwards. No, it doesn't surprise me. I tell you who else is in this who always brings a smile to my face. LL Cool J. What LL Cool J. What a fucking legend <laughs> LL Cool J is. Oh, I love him. I love him in this. I also love him in... Um, what's the shark movie he's in? Not Jaws. The other shark Deep movie. Deep Blue Sea. Yes. Deep Blue the Sea. The worst, worst ever shark movie, but it's incredibly watchable. You, fuck you, die, mate. There's no absolutely no way Deep Blue Sea <laughs> is the worst shark movie ever, mate. And I'm an expert in fucking hot shark horror. It's not worse than Beat Sharks or House Sharks or Sharknado 3. Yeah, so so you like your B movies, your C movies, your Z movies that you like to watch. I've not seen them, so you know, give me give me a break on that one. Next to Jaws, which is also equally terrible, Deep Blue Ooh. Sea is, oh, it, but it's strangely watchable. Anything with Samuel L. Jackson, it's just going to be watchable, isn't it? I'd still did watch you, it again. Did you just say Jaws is shit? Yeah. It's a robot shark. It's not real. And it's quite obvious a robot shark. Right, okay. Can you just tell me for a minute what your favourite horror movie is? What my favourite horror movie is? Let's Ooh. talk about realism in, in, um, in effects here. What's your favourite horror movie? Yeah, but you, you see, you know What's what your my favourite horror, horror movie is. You know what my favourite horror movie is, though. And Dog you quite soldiers. like it as well. Dog Soldiers. Because it could happen. The Scottish are fucking weird, man. Tell me though, what about those werewolf effects? You talked to me about those werewolf. Are they better than Jaws effects? <laughs> no, they're fucking terrible. Bearing in mind, Jaws. That's why like it's fucking good. Seventy-five or some shit. But but Dog Soldiers is so bad on the effects side. It's good to watch. I love. It's great. I love Dog Soldiers. It's great. But um, this is you we're talking about. You're the one saying, "Oh no, Jaws sucks. The effects are bad." While simultaneously saying, "I fucking love this werewolf movie where the effects." Yeah, but nobody knows. Up. Nobody knows though if you know, like werewolves are. You know, are they, are they? Do they exist? Are they real? We know sharks exist. 
we also know a hell of a lot about them that they don't fucking attack humans like that. They're not vindictive. They're purely oh, primitive. They're, they're predators. Do. They do, but by accident. They don't literally stalk. Bullshit. They don't hide under the waves going, ooh, there's a surfer. Let's bite him. I tell you what, if we get the Jaws franchise next, mate, we're going to have some fucking fisty <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? I want that one next. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, Anyway, we digress. Speaking of something that's shit and robotic, Josh Hartnett's fucking awful in this movie. Oh, man, I'm glad you said that because obviously he he stars as, uh, of course, Laurie's sort of like son uh, in this one as a a very, well, let's, shall we say, a man-child of a 17-year-old. And it's it's a very young very young Josh Hartnett, but God, it's that, his first film. It's that, his first film. That haircut, that is straight out <laughs> of the lockdown mum haircut. He looks like the. It looks like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. That's a nineties haircut. The, I used to have a haircut. It's the like same that. haircut, bowl around. But but the thing is, it's like you know, it's that typical bowl haircut. But yeah. if you look at the fringe, it's that oh, staggered. Yeah. That is that is literally wife or mum lockdown haircut. That. <laughs> It's also weird that like Josh Hartnett went on to star in like Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor, Thirty Days of Night, a good vampire. Yeah, that we great films. But you wouldn't think it based on this. He's fucking <laughs> piss. Yeah, one thing about that that character as well, and this is down to sort of the writing as well. It just so happens that he was born on fucking Halloween, because yeah, no. that you know it conveniently plays into this whole weird subplot that never goes anywhere. Three years after, she was literally like nearly killed, and as we later find out, faked to death, she has a baby that is just so happened to be born on Halloween. They could have done so much with that story, but they didn't. It's just like a shit mess that's like dumped there. What's the point in that? I mean, it's a basic slasher movie. At, At its heart, this is a basic slasher movie. That's why I like this movie so much, because you've got the the Cult of Thorn trilogy really shits all over a lot of the Halloween legacy. And this one is like a sequel to Halloween 1 and 2. And it goes yeah, back to Yeah, I, I get that. And yeah, the fact that some of the subplots don't go anywhere doesn't mean all that much to me because I think what we're left with is good. But let's get into it. So as you guys know, we're not going to go too much blow by the way. We're just going to fucking talk about shit and see where we go. One thing that's interesting in this is... This is the first Halloween movie not to be set in Haddonfield, obviously barring Halloween 3. This is a Myers movie not to be based in Haddonfield. It's based in a school somewhere in California. Some random school. Just in yeah. the middle of nowhere. So, so the, what this film wants us to believe is that Laurie Strode faked her death and became Carrie Tate and then became the headmistress of this really posh school. I guess they weren't really much for background checks back in 1990, 1998 or whenever it was. So she had no background, her. did she? She literally wiped it out. She, she faked to death, and now she's a headmistress of a fucking boarding school. Yeah, and she's, um, she's, she's become this so that she can escape her brother. Now, early doors in this... So we open into this movie, we see Marion Chambers, who was the nurse in the beginning of Halloween yep. 1, driving with Loomis. Not really, I never remembered, I, I had to look it up once I'd started. Yeah, I have it. to be honest, I did as well. I, I sort of recognised the face, but I was a bit like, where's that going? And it, it sort of, it, it sort of transpires that she was also the, the nurse that looked after Loomis in the, the late years as well. And you can see 
Donald Pleasance and Loomis there on the desk as they're, they're going through this whole house so scenario sad. of the, the so burglary. Sad. So sad. So pulled on my heartstrings. A Donald Pleasantless movie in the Halloween franchise. Um, but yeah, so I think they use that because essentially what they're saying is Donald uh, is Loomis had the files on Laurie Strode changing her name to Kerry Tate and Michael broke into her house to get the files to find out where she were. How Michael knows that, I don't know. And why Donald Pleasance now would have had those files in his house and why Marion Chambers would have just left them there, I don't know. That's a very implausible situation. I will, I will concede that that is a very implausible situation. Maybe Michael Myers has got his psychic connections back on that one. Yeah, telepathic going full tilt. Yeah. So there's a break-in and Marion like, goes next door, which is, which is a good move in a horror movie. Yeah. She doesn't do the obvious thing and go inside by herself. First sensible person in any of a slasher movie. First sensible yeah. person. Let's go get help. But who does she enlist the help of? Two kids. Two fucking dickhead kids. And there's a nice nod here right at the start as well to Jason, the hockey mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice mask. little, nice little nod there, little Easter egg. I, he, I think he's famous. One of those kids is Summit Gordon Levitt. I can't remember his full name, but he was in, he's in a bunch of films that I've never watched and I'm never likely to watch either. Is one of his first roles, and he's the guy that goes in, um, and he goes looking around and smashes things up and nicks a couple of beers. Out of the fridge, does, as we all would. Do you know this? This thing, this this played with me a little bit. This whole whole situation, because you kind of think, oh, he's going in. All Billy Big Bollocks. Here he goes. <laughs> Dickhead's gonna get you know like fucked up. There's gonna be Michael Myers hiding in a fridge or some other equally implausible situation where he finds himself in. But no, no, he walks out after stealing and causing havoc. He does. Um, mix a couple of beers for the road and then yeah they, they fuck off and Marion goes inside and even she chills for a while until she yeah. walks into a room a little bit late I think she calls the police and as the police arrive she wanders into a room only to find Kid One with a fucking ice skate in his head and, that's fucking um, beautiful Billy Big Bollock skate in the face it's such a shame we did not see that on camera yeah, true. I think with this movie, I think a lot of the gore is done post-kill. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed and, to, and, you don't see a lot. Yeah, and, and strangely enough, a couple of the best ones in this are done post-kill. Yeah. And, and that's a bit of a shame. I mean, you know, I skate to the face, Billy Big Bollock, getting it in the mush. I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm also cool. And then the other kid falls through a door, dead. I don't know how. And then she gets a throat slit, which we do see, and is a really good kill. Yeah, we see a little bit of blood. We see a bit of trickling blood. We see, and this this actually shows, you know, the sign of the times and the effects that they can actually have since the the other movies. There, the fact that they can actually do, you know, the whole trail of blood across it, and you know, you can see the blood. It's good kill. Pretty it's simple, very basic. The entire skit is great for me. The entire intro for me is one of the best because it's kind of an entire encapsulation of the movie itself. So you've got the dickhead teenagers, you've got Michael Myers lurking, you've got the teenagers getting killed, and you've got the final girl, the mini final girl in this mini piece of film getting her throat slashed. And it's a really good, you know, stupid kids, basic plot, really good suspense being built. Michael's creeping around, 
I think she even gets a few hits to him first, like the first movie, and then eventually Michael wins. And it's a really good intro. It's more believable. It's more scary. Yes, yeah, it's pretty authentic. Kills, but it's good. Yeah, it's pretty authentic. I, I can't. I really can't fault it. To be honest, it's it's back to basics exactly like you said. Yeah, it's really good. So Marion's dead, and Michael now has the information that he's looking for. But we don't know how he got, because we don't know how he knew, because there's no way he could know. <laughs> but he's got it, and he's on his he's way. He's got it anyway. Let's let's skip over that. He's on his way to California. It's not important. No, he's on his way to um, to find Carrie Tate. What I would say, I think Michael in this movie is the best Michael since the first one. By a I, long, I have, long way. Yeah, what's, what's I do actually. I, I do agree with that massively. He was very believable. I, I mean, th- there's a few things I'll come on to a little bit later about the yeah, appearance yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, overall, yeah, it, it was... Yeah, he's a good Michael. You know, he's just the way he moves and things like that. I mean, there is a lot of play on this one about the eyes, which we've not seen before. So there's a lot of intensity, a lot of focusing in on the eyes, the, you know, the humanity perspective of the eyes and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't, I can't see them, dude. They're, they're just dark and clouded over. And, I don't have yeah. them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's some differences in Michael in this one. And yeah, he, he is very, very good. Uh, I mean, one thing I will say before we sort of move on on with the plot, the the sort of the intro credits have moved in in this movie from being right at the start and that long drawn out thing before anything happens. They sort of appear after that kill of the the nurse and everything else. And there's there's kind of a nice bit about that because it doesn't matter if you've actually seen any of the first you know six movies at all. The recap that they do actually means that you can literally come into this movie without seeing any of the other ones and actually catch up. You've got an understanding of what actually happened. Sort of yeah, in that. I Although I have to say, the dude pretending to be Loomis, why they didn't just use Loomis's voice, why use the guy from SpongeBob, no less, the guy that voices SpongeBob, <laughs> to actually pretend to be Loomis. It's a bit wet and it's a bit shit. But the whole opening credits, the whole flashing between the newspaper stuff, I did like that. And I actually thought that was a nice take because it doesn't matter, like I said, if you've actually seen the previous movies, you could pick yeah, this movie yeah, up and yeah. actually figure out what was actually going on. It was like a new start, a clean slate. You can pick it up whether you've seen those from years before. And that was quite nice. It's a very 90s horror movie trope to explain yeah. plot by using newspapers. Like yeah. all, all the early 2000s and late 90s. If you wanted your plot explained, fuck humans, fuck characters, just just do flashes of newspapers. It happens in uh, 13 Ghosts. I think the entirety of the first act is explained to you by fucking newspaper clippings. Terrible thing. And, and now there's no such thing as newspapers. They're all done online. Yeah, true. So it's just, yeah, flashes of people's phones scrolling through YouTube and fucking <laughs> yeah. Google. Hence, screen the series. That I will cover in a separate, separate yeah, thing. Keep, Eyes peeled. But yeah, going back to Michael in this one, yeah, he's played by Chris, uh, Chris Durand. For me, the reason why I think he's the best, he's as, well, he's as good, he's the best one since, since Nick Castle in the first one, is he doesn't look clumsy. I think they focused on getting big guys in. Like, Dick Warlock was okay in the second one, plus he had the fucking name Dick Warlock. Um, and then you've got George P. Wilbur and the other guy in four, five, and six. And He's a big guy. He's lumbering. He looks clumsy. He's almost like he's closer to Jason as a bodybuild 
than he is to the original Michael. So in this one, he's probably slightly smaller than Nick Castle, but he moves well. He doesn't look clumsy. Look when he's killing, like you know the stabbing scene on Sarah later on in the movie. Yep. He it's more deliberate. He's a, he's a, he's a good Michael for me. Uh, I think the mask's all right for the main part. We'll go into that a little bit uh, a little bit later. But they did use also the fact that it's not set in Haddonfield makes the movie feel fresh to me. It makes it feel new and completely different by to, to the other movies we've had so far. Yeah, it, it kind of breaks away from tradition in terms of the, the storyline, doesn't it, a, a little bit? But we've also got that familiarity about the kills and a, and, a, and a few other things. But one thing that is very familiar, the outfit. Fuck me. His wardrobe must be boring as fuck. It's literally <laughs> boiler suits and a fucking mask. And while we're on that subject, where the fuck does he go to get his hair cut? We're 20 years on and his hair is no fucking different, just a bit different coloured. That's not his hair. It's not like it it can... But it's not like he can literally, like, pop down to, like, Meadowall or something like that, is it? And go into Barber Barber and get your hair cut for 20 quid. He's Michael Myers. World-famous serial killer. Are you having a Carl Pilkington moment here, mate? I have a little bit. His hair is like my mask. It's like (laughs) the hair is on the mask. I am, but it changes every time, but he can't go to a barber's. It's, It's upsetting me. It's just a different mask. Jesus Christ, what a dipshit. Come anyway. on. No, no, I appreciate your point of view. <laughs> it's your opinion and you're entitled to it. Um, so let's talk about Laurie before you embarrass yourself even more. Um, so she, we are led to believe that Laurie is a functioning alcoholic in this one. This is how she's dealing with the trauma of Michael She Mary. definitely likes to knock it back, doesn't she? Definitely. She does. I don't know if I like it or not because, like, Laurie's such a strong character in the first two movies. Like, she's um, she's the final girl. She's like the epitome of good. And in this movie, they kind of, as much as I love what happens later in the movie, she's almost a little bit dishevelled. She's really overprotective of uh, Josh Hartnett. Fuck knows why. If there's one kid you wouldn't mind losing, <laughs> it would be Josh Hartnett. But, oh, and he, he definitely gives us some lip. You know, back in back in my day. They got a fucking belt around face. 1922. 1923. You'd have got a belt for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's sort of introduced, isn't she, in this one? As you know, you can tell she's clearly got some issues. She's clearly struggling with what happened 20 years ago. And she is set up as more of a fragile character than what we remember her as before. Yeah. And she's really clingy to, um, to Josh Hartnett. And what's so fucking great about Yosemite? Like, he's really keen to go to... I don't know what it is or where it is. I have no idea. It just sounds like booze, drugs, sex. I'm, I'm going to put it down to that. What what 17-year-old yeah. wouldn't want that? No, but that is actually a nice little, uh, nice little lead-on because all these kid characters in this movie have got literally two traits or two goals <laughs> in their life and nothing. They want to drink and drink and party. And they want to. Fuck. And they want to fuck. That's it. There's no. That's it. There's literally no other scene where they want to do anything other than drink or fuck. They want to. St- they want to go to Yosemite to drink and fuck. They then they want to stay there so they've got the entire um, school grounds to themselves so they can drink and fuck. 
yeah, there, there's no there. there's no depth in these characters that's for sure J- just picking up on that uh molly i think it is that is the love interest of yeah. uh you know Lois' son she reminds me so much of one of my exes so at that point when i saw that i was literally like she's a spitting image i hope she meets a horrible end you know maybe you know she likes to get set on fire or something like that and then somebody tries to put her out with petrol just so i can have my own you know emotional win dude chill it's probably <laughs> been 15 years <laughs> we're longer than that <laughs> right wow there's a grudge there's a grudge going on fair play to you fair I, play I was hurt you. man I was hurt <laughs> um, she actually suffers a fate worse than death in movie terms anyway uh, but we'll talk about that later so yep. for the other kids there's Sarah and there's Charlie and Charlie he's like that nerdy kid that you get at school who's like always part of your friend group who's always saying really weird shit to do like Charlie says we could have a roaming orgy. I don't know what a roaming orgy is. I know what a Roman orgy is. I don't know what a roaming orgy is. It must be very... All I can imagine is it must be very tiring and very messy. I don't know. Maybe we should ring up, like, La Chambre or City Sauna for those of people not from Sheffield. They are, like, weird sex swingers clubs and weird sex saunas. I wouldn't know. Liar. <laughs> I really wouldn't. <laughs> You've seen the documentary. Come on. I have seen the documentary. The custard. The custard. That's all you need to know. Custard. That is That's... going to generate so many questions. Yeah. Just don't don't look at it, guys. You don't yeah. Need yeah. To Do not Google stuff. that shit. But yeah, Charlie. The thing is with these characters, though, these kids, is um, they're about as two, as zero dimensional as the characters in four and five and six. Yeah, absolutely. But they're less annoying than the characters in four, five, and six. Like they've got a little bit of a charm in their charmlessness. Um, but I really think so, right? Like, you don't know much about them. You don't know anything. From the very second you see these characters, you're like, you're going to be dead. We know you're going to... It's just a case of which order you're going to be dead in. <laughs> collateral, they are just purely collateral damage. Yeah. I would say all all three of the others are still better than Josh Hartnett in this movie. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not I'll tell wrong. tell you who else I've got a problem with in this movie. So, what's his fucking name? Adam Arkin. So, Laurie's counselor fuckboy did you recognize him i didn't recognize him but he's pretty tame i, I get what you mean I, I don't recognize what he's from but i know what you mean about having an issue with him i don't like him for a few reasons i like him as a bad guy and he's he plays um ethan zabel in um, sons of anarchy do you know the leader of the white really do you know the leader of the white supremacist who owns that cigar shop I do. I never, two. I never picked it up. Never yeah. picked it up. That's where I wow. know him from. Anyway, he's he's done a lot of other TV stuff as well. But I loved him in Sons of Anarchy because he's he's very smarmy and he's got a really good bad guy vibe about him. Yeah. Because he played a white supremacist, so maybe that's why I fucking hate him. Um. And in this movie, he's like a good guy. Well, sort of a good guy up until midway through the movie. But um, yeah, I, I don't really buy him. He's kind of um. He's kind of smarmy, and I don't, I, I don't, I can't buy him as a good guy. Plus, like, he kisses like a fucking pissed up teenager at a house party. <laughs> like, he's clearly, I know he's clearly punching above his weight when he's, you know, when he's kissing Jamie Lee Curtis, but he's, you know, fully mouth open, tongue out. It's disgusting. It's like he's trying to eat <laughs> Jamie Lee's face. 
yeah but then she kind of gets her own back doesn't she at that point where she's literally like you know they're just about to get down for some good old like make out loving it's getting a little bit hot and a little bit steamy and right there she decides i'm just gonna lay it all out on you i'm just gonna tell you i am the sister of a serial killer that everybody knows i fake my own death i'm fake as fuck True, nothing is that... nothing is hot nothing turns a man on more than that true but to say he's a counselor is really shit listening because like he's pouring it <laughs> out he's like yeah don't give a fuck just take just take your clothes off like he literally everything that they do one thought in, yeah it is that, that's what it, almost every character in this movie except for jamie and except for michael just want to fuck yeah want to that's do it. You know, do some drink do some drugs just want to fuck Exactly, and um, it's even LL Cool J because he's writing erotic, erotic uh, novels <laughs> as a part-time job. Oh, from, do, uh... do you know what? This is this is one of my my big sort of like bugbears as a character. I mean, don't get me wrong, love LL Cool J, but he's very much a comedy sort of security guard in this, isn't he? He's very much the stupid ass security guard uh, sort of. In, in this, and it, yeah, it's kind of nice. We get a little build of his character, you know, with his whole romantic, erotic sort of fiction, as he calls it, while he's reciting it to his good lady who's back at home thinking it's a load of shit. Uh, clearly not watching the gate, by the way. Uh, but as we see a little bit later, which I'm sure we'll talk about, he's fucking stupid. Uh, heaving watermelons. <laughs> uh, heaving melons. I think, but, I actually but, think... But, uh, cool they didn't though, specify, though, did they? What type of melons? Yeah, true. Oh, yeah, cantaloupe. His missus was like, are they, are they like cantaloupe? Are they, are they honeydew? Are they watermelons? We need more information. Yeah, true that. I actually, um, I actually think Hello Cool J is probably the best character outside of, um, outside of Laurie Strode. <laughs> That's because the thing. It's a fucking stupid character, but yeah, you're right. It, we, we build up some, some sort of like background. We build up some you know, some, some history there, something about his character. He's got some substance. A lot of the others have nothing. Yeah, so we know we know he's a job as a security guard. We know he's got a hobby. A lot, right, literally, we know he's got a wife who supports him, but probably rolls her eyes when he's writing this stuff. A bit like my missus rolls her eyes about this podcast. But uh, <laughs> he also, um, you know, he also puts himself in, on the line when he's trying to help uh, help the characters down. So he's got a lot going on for him. He was massive in the 90s, I think, LL Cool J. And they had like this um, this sort of theme of putting rappers in in movies at that time, horror movies. They had um, Buster Rhymes in Resurrection, and they had uh, Snoop Dogg was in a movie called Bones, a horror movie. I don't, I think that was even nineties or early two thousand. And fucking Ice motherfucking T was in Leprechaun <laughs> Five in Leprechaun in the Hood. Ah, what 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 about, you like Ice T? What's your what's your what's your vibe on Ice T? I, I quite like iced tea, peach iced tea, very nice. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I used to, <laughs> I had a, I had a big iced tea phase. I used to watch him on um, Law and Order SVU. I obviously had seen Leprechaun Five, so and I like. He was in a band called Body Count. Still is in a band called Body Count. They're like this post-hardcore, punky type band with him singing. His, they're fucking awesome, actually. And then I started listening to his. His rap, Ryan Pays, original gangster, fucking gangster rap album. Man, I had a big ice tea phase. Man, I wish we were doing Leprechaun 5. You never know. We, we, you know, it could go in. You never know. You know, plays the randomizer. Plays a, Who knows? He plays a pimp. 
fucking cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so LL Cool J is one of my favourite characters in the movie. Unlike... You still there? And would you look at that? We swap sides. How random. We swap sides. Technical difficulties. Be damned. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, LL Cool J's got depth. Unlike Jake and Will, who have got jack shit going on. I mean, the only reason they sneak out of the school is to buy booze so that they can go fuck later on. Yeah, but they managed to actually, you know, they managed to persuade him to, you know, forget he's opened the gate and just let him out again. Yeah, stupid he's got ass. a soft side. Ellen Cool J's got a soft side to him. He's in more dick. depth. He's stupid. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, yeah, so they all go out. All the kids go to Yosemite. There's this little scene where uh, Laurie decides to let um, Josh Hartnett go to Yosemite, but they, change, but they end up not going anyway and staying behind. And this clears the entire school out, ready for the massacre to begin. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think at this stage, you know, maybe Michael is just a fucking genius and he's got a really good way of, like, segregating everybody and isolating everybody into particular points. Uh, but it's actually down to the fact that most of the characters in this movie are fucking stupid. Uh, this is one of the problems I have with horrors. I, I always talk about you, and, you know, to you and say, you yeah. know, oh, realism, all that kind of stuff. It, it's not about being ultimately realistic. It's just that nobody in any of these films has any fucking common sense whatsoever. They literally trip over a fucking blade of grass or they trip over a worm so that they can be killed. And that is replicated in this movie. It's typical slasher. And you, you mentioned earlier about Scream. That's one of the big bugbears I have about Scream in that everybody in that fucking movie is fucking stupid. They're all fucking bonkers. Hence the reason the scary movie, which rips the piss out of that whole franchise and the whole idiocy of it that's kind of filtered into this one sorry i'm getting on my high horse a little bit about the stupidity of people but perfectly demonstrated by ll cool j and his character random weird creepy ass truck pulls up at the gate nobody in it hmm you're a security guard i know let's just open the gate go and have a closer look let's do it there you go bang mike is inside it's all his fault whole thing his fault well, let me fucking put you right on this. First of all, I think you need to rewatch Scream if that's your opinions on it, because Scream was the first, one of the first meta horror movies. So your entire argument's bullshit on Scream. I think you need to rewatch it. Um, as for I've seen it many times. I stand by it. The, well, bullshit then. You don't understand. Anyway. I don't understand. You don't understand. Well, you genuinely, genuinely don't understand Scream if you if if that's your opinion on it. But um, yeah. So you expect characters to be stupid in slasher movies. That's like the whole point. It's about seeing stupid people getting killed. That's the whole fun of slasher movies. So Michael's got to get in somehow. So he, he sneaks in. He always does, and it sets up a really good final. Like, it's been a really slow burn up to, I know we've sort of whizzed through it, but it's been like a really slow burn. Yeah, it's been a real, I think we had, we literally got to halfway uh, within this this movie before there was any really, I mean, there'd been sort of like the two kills at the start, but then a hell of a lot of suspense building. Nothing really happening. You, you're right, it, it was a it was a fucking slow burn. It, it really was. A lot, of, lot of question, yeah, then, yeah, then we get a question answered, who dies first? Will. No, Charlie. Charlie dies first, doesn't he? It just, it, it's still, do you know what? 
slasher villains like Michael Myers are only ever as good as the fucking idiots that enable them. True. Yeah. Yeah, it goes down as a dumb way, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. That's cool. do you know what I was trying to think I was trying to think what that thing was called. I'm like yeah. lazy Susan. No, that's a spinny thing. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, it's a lift. It's a lift. But that's something like we would totally have done that at school. Like if I, we if we was alone in school and our school had a dumb waiter, we would have fucking gone down in it. Like you say, oh, hell stupid. yeah. You say stupid. The kids are fucking stupid. Hell yeah, we would. But you there wasn't the a serial, kid, you know, I wasn't a serial yeah. killer on the loose. And they're not to know that. We wouldn't have known that if it were. And it's the same as like me saying that these guys just want to drink. Drink, party, and fuck. That's literally all I wanted to do when I was a teenager. So maybe they're, <laughs> maybe they're onto something. Maybe. You never know. Trend so He dies first. Just he goes down in the dumb way. Uh, we don't see it. It's off screen again. But Sarah comes downstairs and he's got his throat slit. It, again, good good gore scene on the post kill. It, it, was, it was quite good before that as well when they focused creatively on the corkscrew. Yeah. And then the way that the wound was like jagged, you, you just knew. He'd done yeah. it with a corkscrew. Yeah. yeah, kudos to that. Yeah, he did. It's also three out of the first four kills in this movie are all done off screen, yet they're all yeah. really memorable. Well, no, not, they're not all. The, 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 uh, the ice skate one and the dumbwaiter one are both quite memorable to say that they were done off screen. And then Sarah, she has a really bad time of things, doesn't she? She, like, she sees Myers, she runs into the dumbwaiter, she gets sliced with, uh, on her way up the dumbwaiter. And then yep. somehow manages to leave a leg inside whilst trying to get uh, <laughs> Charlie out of, out of the lift. And then as it comes slapping down. down, yeah, another good gore we effect get, on the leg. Though, another leg good gore stuck. effect, yes. Yeah, and, and this one obviously she's alive, so it's you know we actually see that point. This is kind of you know, a good bit of gore. It is, and then Michael teleports upstairs as he does, <laughs> um, and then stabs the shit out of her after stomping on her neck with, the, with his big size 10 docker boot. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. We, we've sort of seen, you know, the whole gore of the leg thing, but then the actual kill as such is actually done off camera, isn't it? We see, we see the stabbing effect, and we see a little bit of blood on the knife, but we don't yeah, see yeah, the yeah. actual stabbing effect. But then comes the aftermath in the next bit of the scene, as you know, is the, the sort of, you know, moving along along sort of like the school, and then she's hung to a fucking light, you know, light fitting from her fucking so sparks good. and everything. Yeah, Beautiful. I like it. Michael's still good. got that creative side to him, hasn't he, with his kills? Yeah. He still likes his uh, little uh, collages of dead bodies. Yeah, that is that, I have to be honest, is my favourite one in this movie. The, the creativity for literally, you know, ripping the light bulb out, wrapping the cord around the neck and going, hey, here we go. And then perfect timing. It's about the timing. It's really and then good. the pyrotechnics sparks. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And then they run around for a while and Molly and John end up bumping into Uncle Mikey and they run around and they eventually get to that door and pull the, the gate across. And that's yeah. where Laurie has one of the best scenes. I know it's only short, but it's so cool when she's looking at him, Mike, Michael through the window and he's like staring her out through, through the gate and, you know, they get fucking Hartnett and assorted girlfriend out of the thingy and it's just a really yeah, cool just, just after Mikey had turned to like the shittiest slasher ever again like here we go just yeah, randomly yeah. slash don't hit anything okay just just enough out of reach just enough out of reach see if that were George just P. Wilbur stretched a bit further Halloween, yeah <laughs> if this was George P. Wilbur in Halloween 6 he'd have just fucking been able to reach man obviously it was huge <laughs> um, but things do get a bit too real 
I think, because they're all running around inside eventually. And then fucking fuckboy, Adam Arkin, Laurie's fuckboy, shoots LL Cool J <laughs> just out of nowhere, doesn't he? Like, yeah, but, but we, we kind of think it's Mike, though, don't we? We think he actually gets shot six times. Again, it's a nice nod. It does, but black guys can't catch a break in slasher movies, can they? <laughs> if it's not a slasher killer, it's a fucking dopey-ass white guy shooting the poor <laughs> He but literally he, gets he gets put down six does, times. But he does get what's coming to him, um, the fuck boy. And I think he deserves his... I mean, I know he's positioned as a good guy, but I think he's a dick to Laurie. And there's that whole creepy scene where he's talking to the girls. It's like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, we're just going to roofie some guys, have a big date, raping night. And he's like, cool. Cool. Have a good one. Have a good one. Have a good one, girl. Like, I think, <laughs> I think if I'd heard some teenage girls say, even if they were joking, I'd probably be like, yeah, you need to see someone about this. But, um, <laughs> so he deserves his death. And then Michael does a call back to Halloween 2, doesn't he? And he fucking thrusts his weapon <laughs> into the back of Adam Arkin and lifts him off the ground. Yeah, literally lifts him off the ground. The strength that must take. And we see his strength coming into its own as well. You know, he gets whacked over the head with a fire extinguisher, which is way too light considering they have then Have you ever tried lifting one of them things? They're ridiculously yeah. heavy. But she picks it up with ease and like drops it over his head, and it like it bounces on the floor like a plastic one. <laughs> Dude, it's 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 well well done. It, it, it's, it's good. It's it's good suspense, and it's a cool little nod to the earlier Halloween movies, which I which I really liked. Um, do do then... you know what? I actually, at that scene, you know where he actually lifts him, he like plunges the knife in and lifts him up. There was a point where we actually catch Mikey, and I cannot get Barry Manilow out of my head. He just looks like a slightly paler yellowy head version <laughs> of Barry Manilow. And yeah. once you see it, you cannot unsee it. Is that Trust me, you cannot unsee it. Is that the CGI? Because yeah. we, we used four masks for this, and one of them they is did, yeah. one scene was CGI, and it looks fucking... Like, I think the mask... There's two There's two that look all right, and then there's one... One is a CGI one, which looks like shit, and the other one is the one where you can really see his eyes. You know, it's really tight to his head, and you can see yeah. like the underneath of his... I think that looks shit as well. Because there was the also two. one point as well, weren't they, where he was actually wearing the mask from Halloween 6? Because they were having this whole debate around what the actual mask should look like and, you know, which one would work. And I think he was overruled and they ended up going with something different. But I think it is a CGI one and it just, it looks like Barry Manilow. Once you've seen it, you cannot unsee it. And that is who you will see all the time. Yeah. Creepy Barry Manilow. <laughs> oh, Mikey, you can't you without but I slashed you away. I can't write <laughs> lyrics either. Can't sing, can't write lyrics. Could write, horror movie ca- could write horror movie characters there. But you know the <laughs> funny thing at this point? It's almost like, we've talked a lot of shit about Josh Hartnett and the other characters, but it's almost like the plot realises that Josh Hartnett is fucking useless in this movie because like Jamie Lee, she packs him off in a car and tells him to get to fuck and just tells him yeah, to drive that, away. And yeah, that's a really weird end. thing, especially considering that, you know, we've had this whole build-up about, you know, the whole Laurie and Michael thing and she's chasing him. But then she just randomly goes, yeah, you two, fuck off. Just, I'm yeah. going to open the gate. I'm going to stay behind and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to send you off in a car. Fuck off. Don't come back. When you fuck off, when you get there, fuck off some more. You're like, get to fuck. I've got enough star power to carry the rest of this movie by myself. Uh, that's Josh pretty Hartnett, much what she does. Down, take your future career <laughs> and get to fuck. Bugger off to Pearl Harbor. Don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, at this stage, this is where 
because I'd enjoyed this movie so far up to this point. And when Josh Hartnett fucks off, like, and the gates close, we know that shit's going down. We know that it's climax time, and it's a big yeah. Showdown. It sets the scene, doesn't it? For you know, like final yeah. final scenes, and we've had this coming throughout the whole movie. It has to be. It's literally the Laurie and Michael final showdown. You know, it's coming from that point. It just yeah. sets it perfectly. It's it's you kind of it's the, the closing curtain. It's setting it into yeah. its its thing. It's some very good sort of dramatic imagery that does that. You know, aside from it being lot of fucking jokes in it and stuff like that but that bit it does close it off cinematically brilliant yeah it's good and they go into the school and there's a lot of like hunting scenes you know like she'll she, mikey stalks her she stalks mikey they get into a few scuffles furniture is thrown there is shit going down and she manages to stab him and throw him off a balcony a la halloween one yeah just 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 before that uh, i mean yeah of course balconies are Pretty much Mikey's kryptonite. We're discovering that and gets thrown off and, a lot of shit. And really small knitting needles. But when they're going through, yeah, definitely. But when they're actually going through the school, there's this scene where she like disappears and like walks down the corridor. And the next thing we see is him lowering himself down with his left hand. Yeah. Super strength gymnast style. How the Dude fuck did she miss him? Dude works out. None of these people ever look up. He's, he's a white. It's the white hallway. He's wearing a, you know, dark blue boiler suit, just perching like a little fucking spider yeah. on the roof. And, yeah, and then oh, literally lowers God. himself, lowers himself down, nice and gently with one hand. Like, the guy's got, he's got form. He's got super strength. Pretty, yeah, yeah, you know, dude, he amazing. Lifts, like, like he <laughs> but yeah, lifts. then he, he he literally gets fucked off a a balcony again after getting stabbed by a flagpole, and we actually see some blood in this one as well. Yeah, when he gets stabbed in the flagpole, we do see a little bit, of, a little bit of blood, which we haven't seen Why in some of the He does actually bleed, but yeah, he gets fucked off the uh, the balcony, and uh, then she ends up walking down there, and well, you can see it well, coming, no. can't you? Before she walks down, LL Cool J is alive. He's not dead. He is. Yeah, he's randomly got shot alive. six times, but he's randomly alive and tries which to push is... her away from, you know, like finishing the job off. Yeah. Which is good. I like to see LL Cool J not die. You just don't kill LL Cool J in horror movies. That's good, but he's Mikey. Finish the job. There and then. Do it. Finish finish it off. But no. In Jiminy Cricket style, come here. There's more. Yeah, true. You've got no Um, idea who that is, have you? Who? Jiminy Cricket. I know Jiminy Cricket is a dickhead. I've got kids. (laughs) That's it, Pinocchio. Not, Not that one. The comedian Jiminy Cricket. Oh, so old. I am. I am so old. Jiminy Cricket's a comedian. What does he do? Who is he? Where's he from? Well, that we shall find out. We're going to look that up. I don't want to look it up. I want you to tell me. I'm. I'm going to little insert a nice little video clip of Jimmy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket in there, just right here. Perfect. Sounds awful. To be fair, I thought we were doing about it. I'm massively let down. Speaking of which, uh, so Laurie steals the ambulance that Michael's in and just bombs out the gate and eventually crashes the ambulance, as you do, because it's the climax of a horror movie. You can and also Mikey see just... it, can't you, as well? The constant looks behind me. You just, you just know he's not being killed by mine shafts or explosions or anything else. Pretty sure he's not going to be dead right now. True that. And he gets pinned between a tree... And an ambulance, which probably... After, after he's got, like, there. tanked out the windscreen and then, like, rammed off a cliff. Yeah. And then, in one of he's my He's not having a good time scenes, of it right now, Mikey. 
he's not even having a bad he's been dealt a bad hand in this movie. But in one of my favourite scenes in the entire franchise, like Laurie picks up a, an axe, a hatchet, would if you would. And it's been conveniently up. placed a few times that, that fire axe, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Yeah. It just And I like how forward. she like she puts it into the van with the blood on it, takes it out of the van with no blood. It cleans itself, self-cleaning. It's a great shot, though, to take his head off. Like, a really cool oh, shot. Yeah, but, but before that, what, what are your thoughts on the whole, you know, sort of the whole, like, Michael looking at her, her looking at him, the connection that they have, and then the whole, you know, you, you can clearly see he's fucked it right now. He, he's, yeah. he's not getting out of that situation. But then they have this whole reaching out of hands thing and this very light touch, and then she thinks better of it and fucking whips his head off. What are your thoughts on that little bit beforehand? I like it. I'm not a big fan of the brother-sister story, as you know, but I think Jamie Lee Curtis has got enough acting chops to pull this off and make it make it feel a bit more sentimental, you know, than it really is. You know, I've got a yeah, it's, it's, I I agree. It's definitely better than what we had in the last movie when they tried to humanize him with you know certain elements with with Jamie and stuff like that. This one yeah. is very much more final. It's an appreciation of him, sort of like saying. I'm fucked now, and her saying, "Yeah, you're my brother, but now I'm going to lop your fucking head off." Yeah, but it's a great and it's a really good character out there. I'm not sure how we feel too much about her being an alcoholic in this movie, or some of the habits and some of the characteristics she's been given. But I think such is the quality of Jamie Lee Curtis that she makes it believable and relatable. And to come I, I think they had to give they had to give her a crutch. I think yeah. they had to give her some kind of a crutch, and I think they went for you know the most common one with you know the whole alcohol dependency thing that helps to get through in in times of struggle and and stuff like that but she kind of comes full circle in this movie as well doesn't she in in the fact that right at the start you know she's scared she's still looking over her shoulder she's seeing michael in reflections and everything else she's clearly haunted by it to the point where she gets and says you know what no i'm actually gonna you know i'm actually gonna stand up for once i'm not scared anymore you you fail buggy you off goes his head end of michael myers there surely cannot be any comeback from that. We will see. Surely not. Surely, surely not. Never. never. They're not going to do that. Although the next movie is called Resurrection. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yes. Well, <laughs> let's wait that for next week. So that is Halloween H2O. Now, for me, we're not, I'm not going to go into the ratings phase just yet. But for me, this feels like a Scream movie. Like there is, there's so much fingerprints of Scream all over this. You can tell in the writing and in the dialogue. You could have lifted those characters out of the Scream movie, the kid characters. It's got a lot of comedy, sort of comedy earlier, early doors. There's a lot of sort of funny scenes going on. It's the 90s. So it's definitely Halloween does Scream for me. I don't know if you've got those same sort of vibes from this movie. Yeah, definitely. There's certainly vibes of that that in there. I mean, for me, this whole movie as a, as a whole kind of feels a little bit like a final chapter, if you like. It sort of feels like it's trying to end some of the unanswered questions that we had before, you know, what happened to, to Laurie. Yeah. Putting that whole sort of saga to bed, uh, you know, around, you know, that connection there that they had. And we, we kind of, like I said before, we kind of, see Laurie come full circle from those first movies where she was the victim to actually getting a vengeance and actually, you know, ending it in in the way that she did. And yet there's definitely improvements in this movie to a lot of the other ones. 
I'm glad they ignored the Thorn trilogy. You know, like, yeah, this is yeah, a absolutely. To Halloween 2. Like, but that being said, there is there are theorists out there that say this could exist in the same timeline as Halloween 4, 5, and 6 because they say that she died in a car crash at the end, you know, the beginning of Halloween 4, and here she is having faked her death to move across country. Although the problem with that is you're basically saying, Laurie Strode abandoned her daughter, uh, Jamie, and started everything <laughs> off. But there are people out there that say this could exist in the same timeline. But I choose to believe it's a direct sequel to Halloween. Halloween. Too. Yeah, I think it's you know it's sort of I know there's sort of like mentions in there about why has he waited so long to you know try and track her down and stuff like that. But I, I prefer to think as as you do that it is actually you know a sequel to the the one and two, and it's a follow on from that, ignoring all the rest of the shit that's actually gone on between ignoring the terrible movies that happened between that as well and it's kind of it's it's nice it's familiar it goes back to basics in a lot of the way that they've actually yeah. you know shot yeah, the really kills good. the anticipation the slow build-up as they go throughout them I mean, we literally get to halfway sort of through the movie before we start getting into the you know the main action part of it there's a lot of build-up a lot of suspense and it, it feels homely if you like to those first couple of movies which are more iconic than the ones that followed for me and yeah, yeah. i can't i can't say i i didn't enjoy it it held my attention i, I quite well, liked it more, we gain in suspense in this movie yeah. so there's a lot more focus on that build-up like the first movie and the second movie to a large extent as well there's, there's a lot of suspense built and the gore as we've talked about is also a sort of post kill for the large majority and it works really well, I think, for this film. Yeah, I think the kills overall as a movie, across the whole movie, it's pretty tame in that respect. You know, there's there's not a lot of them, but the ones that they do do, and they are done off camera, are mm-hmm. shown after the events quite well with, with that gore, as you, you know, sort of attained to there. So, yeah, I can't say I, I didn't enjoy it. I, I did. It's quite good. So, Watchable. Chris? Let's wrap a fucking bow on this movie. Give us your wrap final thoughts and rating. My final thoughts. So I think this was, considering it was set so long after the original two, there are some holes in it. There are some unanswered questions, but I quite like the fact that they brought, you know, Laurie back into the story. They've actually managed to put a bow on it themselves, essentially, if you think about it, ignoring yep. what comes next. They've actually put a bow on the story. They've managed to finish the business that was previously unfinished. There's some some nice kills in there. It's not all action. Nice suspense as well. Overall, I'm actually going to give this a seven dead bodies in a dumb waiter out of ten. Quite enjoyed it, not going to lie. Decent. Big score, big improvement. Um, okay, so let me give my rating. So I think this is a massive return to form for the series. I think four, five, and six. Uh, Five, I don't mind too much, but four and six especially, I think are really bad movies. Not interested in the slightest. Now, this one's much slower paced. There's a lot more suspense involved with it. And there's far less gore, but far more emphasis on waiting and that, oh, that feeling of something's going to happen, and then getting that gore post. Uh, and I don't mind tamer kills as long as you're giving me something else to focus on, which is suspense. And I think Halloween H2O does that in a really good way. And I think um, the characters, they're very two-dimensional, they're very basic, 
the standard slashes that they're not unlikable, which a lot we you know, which is a problem with a lot of the other characters in some of the other movies. Very, I'm thinking of fucking Spitz in Halloween Five. What an <laughs> asshole! Really unlikable, really annoying. Um, but these characters all seemed okay. I liked Michael as I think the character the guy who played Michael was really good. Having Jamie Lee Curtis is like a breath of fresh air. The star power and the quality of the acting doesn't replace Donald Pleasance, but certainly gives um, fills a gap where there is no Donald Pleasance. I think it does lose a little bit from not having that maniac Michael Tracker like uh, like Loomis and like um, Paul Rudd was meant to be. Um, you know, going forward from six onwards. But like I say, I think Jamie Lee. And LL Cool J to an extent, I thought he did a great job in his role. I love this movie. I loved it the first time I watched it. I love it now. And I'm going to give it eight shitty CGI masks out of ten. <laughs> it's good. I enjoy it. I go back to it very often. Yeah, I think you made, you know, sort of a quite a good point there. I think, sorry, elaborating on that, I think the kills which actually happened in this movie, they were all important. So they were all definitive. They they weren't pointless. There was a point to each of them, and they actually saved the kills up for important points within the movie. You know about that whole segregation, separating people out. They built the suspense there. That was something that they didn't do in in the few movies before that. It was there were movies which were just pointless. They were just for the sake of it. You know, the, you know the kill moments and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think this actually has to be my favorite one of the franchise so far. Really? Wow. Mm. High praise indeed. I thought we were going to disagree on some of these. Apparently not. Apparently the Halloween Halloween franchise is so... I think it's either Halloween franchise is so middle of the road or you are more of a horror fan than you've been letting on. <laughs> a new appreciation, shall we say, but I still think they're fucking stupid. Yeah. I can't overlook well, most, the stupidity. Well, most slasher movies are, but that's why you're watching dipshit. So, <laughs> one thing we did miss out, Tris, well, it would be Remiss of me not to mention that last week we did Halloween 6, Paul Rudd movie. And obviously, Paul Rudd, since we recorded that, has won Sexiest Man Alive in really? some sort of magazine. Somebody mentioned it on YouTube in one of the comments that um, we didn't mention Paul Rudd's Sexiest Man Alive uh, award. Sexiest Man Alive in the B magazine category of something I or other. I, 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 must, I must have missed that. I did. did you know, the only sort of like sexiest alive thing I ever ever followed was FHM, which isn't a thing anymore. No, he's a good looking guy. He's Ant Man. He's got a lot going for him. He's fucking old now. He must be in his fifties. <laughs> okay, I say, literally, I, I sort of own. I think we touched on it last time. I really only sort of like remember him from you know Friends uh, as Mike, and then sort of like the the Ant Man movies. Uh, they were sort of the big ago. things. That, that I remember, I, I couldn't tell you much that he's done recently, but then again, I'm, I'm not so much into my, my modern stuff. What we want to say, Paul Rudd, from Eby Gore to you, congratulations. You're congratulations. You sexy bastard. <laughs> you sexy bugger. Bastard. Best way to say sexy bastard. I'll tell you what's not sexy, Tris. Go what on. are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? I think it'd be wrong not to do the uh, the resurrection, wouldn't it? Let's let's see how they are actually going to do it. How are they going to sew the head back on? How's that going to work? I have some thoughts on Halloween Resurrection, which I will get into with you next week. But <laughs> I'm sure we will. For another time. So, guys, thank you for checking this out. 
Give us a like, uh, give us a subscribe, give us a share, give us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't forget to give us a like, give us a share, and come back and join us next week where we will be looking at Halloween Resurrection, the eighth movie in the franchise. Absolutely. Did all that in one breath. Fucking back in there. I'm going to go and get another brew. So it's good night from me. I'm Damien. It's good night from me. I am Tris, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.